So hello, welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. We've gotten some input on one of our recent podcasts, um, and so we would like to share that with you today so that we can center our podcast today on the question that was asked. So Amy's going to read you the, the feedback we got. Yeah, so on our Facebook, one of our friends, Mike, wrote about the podcast on prayer. And he said, when it comes to praying for someone, it seems to me prayer can work on three levels. One, prayer changes you, making you more empathetic and aware. Two, prayer changes the person you pray for, lifting their spirits and bringing them peace. Three, prayer changes things or events where the world around us is different than it would have been because of divine intervention. And then he wrote, I'm with you, Bob. I have a lot of trouble believing in number three. I don't doubt number one, I'm open to number two, but I don't know that I've seen a bona fide miracle of divine intervention like we read about in the Bible. I'd be interested to hear the two of you talk about Jesus' statements about the power of faith. Example, Mark eleven twenty three. Did Jesus really mean literally moving mountains, or was that hyperbole for effect? If he meant it literally, why don't we hear more about such visible acts of power happening today? Awesome. And great question, Mike. Without going back to look at Mark 23, 11, 23, I'm thinking that's the verse that said, that Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, um, get up and move into the sea. Yes, I just, uh, I just verified that. So, that's right. <laughs> all right, I'm verified. All right. But did Jesus really mean literally moving mountains? Or was that hyperbole for effect? My first answer for that is the answer that my good Episcopal priest friend in Tiverton, my first church, said to me that when what he loved about the Episcopal church was that if there was an either-or question, the answer was always yes. Yes, Jesus literally meant moving mountains, and yes, that was hyperbole for effect. Jesus, who I think in our conversations I have identified, and I think Amy buys into this process too, was the word that was at the beginning, was with God and was God, the word that God spoke that brought everything into creation so that nothing was created that, that was not created by that word. Jesus, the word, knows the power that God has and that God has shared with us. So literally, if I believe God has shared with me the power so that, as Jesus has also said, you will do greater things than I, I have to believe, and I do believe, that if for whatever reason, God wants me to be a part of saying to a mountain, get up and move, that God can do that through me, that the word that I speak can become the word that was at the beginning and share that power so that if God needs that mountain moved, that can be done. I do honestly believe that. So that leads before we talk about the hyperbole, that leads to, if he meant it literally, why don't we hear much more about 
such visible acts of power happening today. I don't think we hear about it because I don't believe it's happening much in this world where mountains are being moved by just a voice, by just a prayer. Is that because they can't be? No. Is that because God doesn't want them to be? That's possible. Is that because God asked somebody to do that and they don't believe? That's certainly possible. But I do believe there are visible acts of power happening today, not necessarily mountains being moved, because quite honestly, right now, I'm, I'm just off the news. I'm listening about the fires in California. I would think that prayerful, powerful people, spiritually powerfully led people could be praying right now for the ocean to get up and pour upon the mountain to get rid of the fires. And that's not happening. Is that not happening because we don't pray for that? Or is that not happening because God doesn't want that, but wants us to fight the fires with the skills that that God has given us or learn from uh, what causes the fires? I don't know. We would have to be in prayer about that. But is it possible for that to happen? I believe so. We go back to whether you believe it's legend or whether it's true. The Mormons built a statue for seagulls because they were being trampled by locusts and somebody prayed. Did they pray for seagulls to come or did they just pray to God to give them an answer to get rid of the, the locusts? But they prayed and seagulls came all the way to Salt Lake City, far from the ocean, and ate up all the locusts. Was that a coincidence or was that a response to prayer? But are there people who have a family member who just got a cancer diagnosis and they lay hands on them and they pray? And then the next time the person goes to the doctor, the doctor says, well, I don't know why they sent you to me because there's no cancer in you. I've got to be honest. I've been at a couple caskets in my life. And I've prayed and said, God, I believe that if you want to, you could breathe life back into this body, even though it's been prepared, and you could bring this person back to life. And I'm just sharing with you that it's our desire that you bring this person back to life. And for a brief shining second or two or maybe three, I don't know if the person's going to move or not. Now, they haven't moved yet. I, ha I don't have a Lazarus story to report to you, but other people might. Mm -hmm. Talk about coincidence. Yesterday, here in my yoga community, we celebrated a holiday called Govardhan Puja, and it's a celebration of a mountain being moved. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's a 5,000-year-old... Uh, celebration from India where Krishna, his village was being flooded by all these rains and he lifted up the mountain and held it with his pinky for seven days and all the villagers came and huddled underneath it like an umbrella and were saved. 
Ah, <laughs> I thought he was going to move it and make a dam, but that's very <laughs> genius. No, it's just so funny when you were talking. I was like, this is crazy because we literally like built a hill out of cake yesterday and everyone <laughs> celebrated <laughs> the moving of this mountain. Nice. Yeah, so it's obviously celebrated in many spiritual traditions. So The first thing I was thinking was, I know in my classes in school, from a more sectarian or from a more non-theist perspective, Jesus as a historical figure gained his momentum and notoriety as a miracle worker. Right. There were many other people claiming to be the Messiah. There were many other small political uprisings. Correct me if I'm wrong. You you know. Oh, uh, no, you me. are correct. But that the thing that really set Jesus apart and the reason why people flooded to him when he traveled was because he was a miracle worker. Yeah. And so it's interesting that we are kind of doubting whether he meant real miracles or not when like that was his gig. And I mean, from a theist perspective, I think one of the things you can argue is that God knew that, like God knew that in order to get people's attention, he would need to do something like miracles. And so then that's the avenue he used to help spread. That was his preaching method. Right. right? And the Gospels present that Jesus actually saw that as a detriment because he Mm -hmm. knew that if he did too many miracles, too many people would come, would cause too much attention, and it was not yet his time to be confronted by the authorities. Yeah, so yeah. so he knew that. I, I guess as a side note, some of our folks would say that Jesus' miracles had very little to do with Um, at least his healings, had very little to do with the power of God and were more psychosomatic healings that Jesus dealt with the um, emotions of a person and that set their bodies free, Mm -hmm. Um, which is very possible as well. But I'm not sure about the Lazarus thing about rising him to life or, you know, but uh, uh, and right. changing water into wine and and walking on water kind of thing, you know. Right, loaves and fishes. Yeah, right. These are all with right. inanimate objects, so you couldn't really call them anything but a miracle. Then, right, or magic, I guess, which is all kind of in my mind in the same realm. Yeah, so I guess I was thinking, if we believe what the Bible says, then clearly Jesus was a miracle worker and he didn't just say it. He showed it time and time again as part of his reputation. wasn't just a one-off or something. It was actually how he gained notoriety. And then the two main holidays that we celebrate, Christmas and Easter as Christians, are also celebrations of miracles, the virgin birth and rising from the dead. Yeah. So Christianity is so wrapped up in the literal interpretation of miracles. How could you be a Christian and not believe in literal miracles? Right. Although there are plenty who are and don't. Right. <laughs> um, be, because, like, I, how many people in your yoga community believe that Krishna actually held up a mountain by his little finger? Do all of them? I don't know. I would have. I don't think it, it would have been an awkward room if we had pulled <laughs> pulled that. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Is this just a story right. um, to show Krishna's power? Or how many people believe that literally happened? Well, I mean, we do the same thing with the Red Sea. How many people believe God really 
separated the waters. Oh, well, there's a scientific explanation for that. There's a big wind that actually blows the waters aside from time to time. Or, you know, some kind of chemical reaction between the clay pots and the water made clean the wine that had been stored in there and made it taste like wine. Or... Or the feeding of the 5,000, I've heard that explained away by, of course, one little boy is not the only one whose mother remembered to pack a lunch. And when this little boy was willing to give all that he had, it touched the hearts of other people, and they all opened up their, their lunches to everyone else. So there's plenty of Christians who have explained away most miracles, seeing them as miracles of the heart or miracles of science or or coincidences that happened at just the right time to save God's people, um, but not the power of God. And even with the resurrection, you know, they're saying Jesus was just in a coma. Right. No, I mean, I totally get it because for me, like, I went through the classic Christian kid kind of path, which was, I just went with what I was taught. And then when I went to college and learned this alternative perspective, and I went to a Catholic college, I went to a Jesuit college, you know, wasn't even a fully like sectarian college. And when I was in college, I just thought, yeah, none of that actually makes logical sense. Right. So it would have been really cool to worship a savior who rose from the dead, but people don't rise from the dead. That doesn't happen, you know? So it must be something that my parents bought into because it was comforting to them at the time, which was really sad for me. And I feel very differently now, and I'm so happy that I do feel differently because it makes my life more, I don't know, what does it make my life more meaningful, joyful, uh, fulfilling? My relationship with God is like the central part of my life, you know? Right. So I'm glad that I came around, um, but... I completely relate to people who do feel that way because I 100% felt that way. I guess kind of coming, if if I can, coming from that perspective of, of that mindset, that more logical mindset, uh, when you said that the answer was yes to the question, like what, were the miracles literal or was it hyperbole for effect? It reminded me of another spiritual teacher who got that famous question, can God create a boulder that he can't, that's too heavy for him to lift? Oh. Yes. And then the, the spiritual leader said, yes, he can. And then he would lift it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think for, again, like for people like us who believe in God and believe in his power and believe in the miracles, an answer like, yes, it's literal and hyperbole and he would make a rock and then he would are so charming and affectionate and we love them. Right. But for someone who is logical and maybe is a non-theist, those answers might just seem like a cop out. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how do you respond to that? Yeah. Um, Well, one, I guess for someone who's a Mm non-theist, it's a moot point Um, because if you don't believe in God, yeah. then you don't believe there's a God who has power. Right. You know, so so for you, the answer is no. Right. Um, but I do believe that there is something, someone, some being, some more than just a force 
although not, I don't want to humanize that force, but I want to give that force a mind or a soul, but some force that create that made all this, put all this in motion and is part of that motion. I do believe that. And I believe that's God. And the challenge that I give to my non-theists, especially my non-theist scientific friends is just keep asking yourself, well, what came before that? And what came before that? And what caused that? And what caused that? And at some point, you get to a point where you don't have any answers. And when you don't have any answers, I think you're able to start thinking that it's possible there's something else. Now, I know for a good scientist, it just means there's something else that I still have not learned. For me, it's, yeah, and what I haven't learned yet is that there is a God. But that's me. So so if I'm talking to a non-theist, a science-only person, well, then to talk about God and God's power doesn't matter. Then we have to talk about the psychosomatic and spiritual, emotional power that comes from believing. And that is scientific. That, that can be calculated. Right. Right. Yeah. But someone who has hope has a different thing triggering inside yeah. them than somebody who doesn't have hope. Totally. I mean, the placebo effect is right. Part of modern medicine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you believe yeah. in God, then God has to have the power to do anything, including that story that you shared, creating a bowl of a boulder too big to lift and then having her lift it anyway. You know, um, you know, but if you believe in God, you have to believe that God has the power to do anything. If you believe in a transcendent God, a God who comes to us to be with us and gives us, dwells in us with, with God's spirit, then you have to believe that that power is inside you. Yeah, to that that part, like the part that the power resides in, that to me is what speaks to my second question. If he bent it literally, why don't we hear more about such visible acts of power happening today? Right. Because if Jesus pro- like proved himself on as a miracle worker, and then he said, you'll do greater things, then it must mean that we are also capable of performing miracles, right? Like we have the capacity, we have the same spark in us that Jesus had. And so then why aren't we seeing those miracles if every soul on the planet is capable? But I guess it would be, I mean, you and I spoke a little about this in Bible study this week. Like, I feel like I I very much have like one foot in the spiritual realm, right? And I'm not fully committed. Right, right. It's not that I'm not performing miracles because I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. It's like the same reason I'm not running a marathon. I'm not creating a running plan. I'm not signing up for a marathon. I'm not going out every day and increasing right. my mileage. Like the reason I'm not performing miracles right. is because I'm not fully devoting my life to a life of spiritual right. pursuit. I'm part right. in, part out all the time. It's just like right. Jesus was fully engaged. So like right. he was running marathons. Right. He was running miracle marathons, you know? Right, right. Right. And there was a purpose. And so are we so earthbound 
now that we don't even understand the spiritual possibilities, you know? And even if we understand that they're possible, we have no way to, we don't know how to access them. Yeah. So you and I must be on a quest to figure out how to help people tap into the great spiritual power that we believe is available to them. Yeah. You know? It's interesting because every time we kind of push on these areas, it, for me, it goes back to like, am I willing to look stupid? Yeah. Like, am I willing to put myself in that vulnerable place of maybe being the fool? Right. You know, I feel stronger in my relationship with God and in my faith. And I feel happier if I believe that God can literally move mountains. Like when I read Mike's question, my answer in my mind was he meant literally. Yep. Like when you said yes to figuratively, I was like, no, like this is not hyperbole. Like he meant literally Jesus could move mountains and we could move mountains. And like, I believe that. Right. Have I ever moved a mountain? Have I seen someone move a mountain? No, but I believe that we can, and I believe that I may see that in my life. I really believe that, and I think the only thing that would keep me from pursuing that and from publicly sharing that is for someone to come and say, like, but it doesn't make any sense to me. You've never seen that. You're just comforting yourself. You're just making yourself feel better. You're making it up. It's not true, you know? And then I would feel foolish. I feel happier and stronger in my relationship with God when I believe that. And so I think I'm 32 and I'm starting to come to the place where my relationship with God might be stronger than my fear of looking foolish. Yeah, and I think I don't have to set them up as a dichotomy that you don't have to believe in faith or science. You can believe in both. Right. Yeah. So this week, please help us out and answer Mike's question. When's the last time you saw a visible act of power happening through prayer and or faith? And challenge yourself to say, when I get to the end of what I know and can feel and can taste and can trust, what do I believe is there? And can I access that? And can I use that for good in my life and in this world? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast, and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time. Yeah, and I might have said yes to the question because I don't even I don't really know what hyperbole means. Uh, <laughs> I I should have looked that up because in my mind what I said yes to was probably more simile um or metaphor. <laughs> <laughs>
And I don't know if that's the same as hyperbole. Um, well, hyperbole just be, like made it bigger for effect, like over exaggerated. Oh, when I said yes to both, that's what I meant. You're crazy. Um, You're crazy. <laughs> Bob Hollis, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah.